The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 81. We got uh, some week four fab recap to go on, some listener questions, and so much more. Uh, it's been a wild week of the season. We're actually we're about a month in now, so that's pretty cool. You can find me on Twitter at Pediatric. And my co-host is always on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, man? Doing all right, Bubba. Had better, had better uh, fantasy baseball nights than tonight, honestly. Uh, I have Austin Gomber in a in a few important places, and so like many out there, I'm I'm licking my wounds and learning my lessons early on in this fantasy baseball season. But outside of that, uh, everything's going well, uh, doing great, and plugging along. How about you? Not too bad. Yeah, now I see what you're talking about with Gomber. Not good. Not ideal. I got a few strikeouts at least, so that's nice. But uh, go Giants. Yeah, the Giants versus the lefty. It's been something else this year. So, oh God! I should have known when they put Longoria in the lineup and he was back. Well, then um, they, they they yanked him after his double because he pulled up lame again. So did he? Yeah. Oh, it's like uh... yeah. So it's a lot of offense on Monday, though. Lots of offense, a lot of offense. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, it's, it seems to be a trend that is not even that hot around baseball yet. So let's just see how the summer continues on. Could be a wild one. All I do know is one guy we'll talk about, Josh Stomont, one of the biggest guys. He got a save on the first day, so people must be stoked about that one. So yeah, yeah, That's for cool. sure. Yeah, that was that was uh, it was interesting to see that see that bullpen usage for sure. Yeah, we'll see if it continues though. Like I still don't, I don't trust. <laughs> Kansas City because they flat out said a few times now like yeah we're just kind of gonna do it and see how it goes type things I'm like oh great okay uh committee it is sounds good um <laughs> I'm just waiting for some reason on NFPC the page of uh 
the acquisitions is not loading for me, which is absolutely outstanding. Do you want to do TGFBI ones or just all of them? It doesn't matter. Like none of them are loading for me. So I'm trying to get okay. them to, to load right now. So, um, yeah, this is fun. We have some listener questions to uh, talk about and uh, much, much more. Yeah, my entire thing will not load. So. Okay. Well, we can do TGFBI. Uh, Pavin Smith or Pavin Smith, Pavin Pavin. Uh, he was picked up in 26 leagues, a max bid of 100, and a min bid of 11. Beautiful. Min yeah. bid of 11. You don't have a one. Holy min, crap. Min bid of 11, yeah. Which it's good is to hear people surprising. are yeah. Honestly, I mean, I imagine that he wasn't picked up in some leagues, at least. But, um, yeah, how did you think of – what did you think of of, of uh, Paven, Paven Maven? Smith? I'm a big – I'm a big fan of his. I grabbed him in Barf actually the week before. I know you did. I was so pissed <laughs> off. I saw that. I was like, a week early. It was nice. I was like, man, I'm actually really digging what's going on under here. And then yeah. I go in Barf to pick him up, and and there's uh, there's Bubba having already scooped him up the week before. Yeah, no, I, I like what I've seen out of him. We saw little little bits of him last year. So I'm in the uh, spring training playing well. Um, a little bit of pop, but really good average. I liked him in, in uh, the OBP format of Barf, especially. But they, they haven't bleeding off. Uh, good left-handed bat, good minor league pedigree. So I was willing to give him a run. And so far, since he's been in, he's hitting now in four straight games, hitting seven of uh, seven of eight games, hitting towards the top of the order. He's scoring runs in uh, seven straight games. He's a fantasy goldmine at the moment. Long ways to go, obviously, to see how that one goes. But so far, so good in that one, which is uh, what I like to see. I'm, I'm actually, I'm still just baffled that eleven dollars there wasn't a, a dollar bid. So that that's uh, that's pretty cool stuff. And I got TGFBI to load, so we're good. Okay, good good yes. deal. Um, right. Yeah, the thing that was really surprising for me with with uh, with Pavin, 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 with Pavin was um, he uh, the quality of contact. I did not. I know that that had kind of been the thing that was missing last year from him. But, um, you know, when you look under the hood, max exit velocity, his highest, I mean, he only played last year, but he's up at close to 111, which is nice. He's already got six barrels, 11.5% barrel rate, 57.7% hard hit rate. I mean, that's higher than uh, Vlad Jr., uh, Vlad Jr.'s hard hit rate. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was very interested. I ended up only getting him in one place just because my, my bidding wasn't aggressive enough, and I think that was kind of a – a theme uh, of this past week is is I know that people didn't spend as much, but some of the bids were incredibly aggressive, uh, if you ask me. Um, yeah, to say it lightly. Very yeah. Aggressive. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, but with him, um, yeah, I, w- I wish I'd gotten more because he looks really interesting. I know there's a playing time crunch a little bit with him, but uh, hopefully he didn't pay too much and and he could play his way very easily. You know, he plays outfield. He can play first. He could play his way into that lineup. I think pretty, pretty easily if he continues what he's been doing. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Cause like Christian Walker's out right now. Who who knows for how long Katon Marte is out. So there's a first base and an outfield spot, obviously David Peralta. I made fun of him and he goes and has like almost hits for the cycle in, in Cincinnati, but Cincinnati really hasn't done much either. Like I think he's kind of on the outs eventually if, if they want to continue the rebuild mode. So there's going to be a spot for Faven Smith if he continues to produce. So um, that's kind of where I was, I was putting my money where I thought guys might get to stick. We'll see how that goes. But um, the next highest guy, 
Adelise Garcia went in 18 leagues, ties 208 as low as 70. So this is fun because usually I do it with all NFPC leagues. At least in TGFBI, there's not all $1 bids. So this is fun. Um, I'll have to do this one going forward. But um, <laughs> Adelise Garcia, this is another guy that I got in a bunch of leagues two weeks ago. I was actually surprised to see he was still available in 18 leagues. Um, he's been absolutely crushing it. What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I think for him, he's power speed guy. Um, I think, yeah, I think we might have talked about him a little bit last week, but uh, power speed guy, the, the strikeout rate will catch up with him. He will not continue to have a 41.7% home run for fly ball rate, but all of you listening uh, know that. And so enjoy the ride while it lasts. I feel like it will likely come crashing down. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I mean, enjoy it. Enjoy it while, while, uh, while you can. Yeah, there's going to be some ups and downs. I think he's still going to get a lot of playing time. And at least in the minors, we did see some power speed with him. So, yeah, he's not going to be like this unconscious. But still, he's only hitting 265. So still striking out close to 30% of the time. Obviously not ideal. But 278 BABIP shows that he's like not crazy. Like maybe the home runs like you're saying. But still, like a 23% peril rate and a 47% hard hit rate is pretty insane. So, again, Probably not 23% barrel rate sustainable, but say he gets a 15 to 16% barrel rate, which I think is a reasonable drop-off to like expect. There's still a lot to like. They're hitting in the middle of that Texas lineup. So I, I'm a fan. There will be downtimes, yes, but uh, I, I think there's a lot to like with the kid. And um, actually, he's not a kid. He's like 28 years old. He just he came <laughs> over from Cuba, and he got a late start to things here in the bigs, and this might be his chance to uh, to make it happen, which is fun to see. The next one, one. One thing that I find is interesting is his max exit below is only like 104 miles per hour. He's got six home runs and he doesn't have a single batted ball over 104 miles per hour, which is which is unusual. quizzical. Yeah. Quite unusual. But the, if you look at like just his game log stat cast, his launch angle, he's got some massive launch angles. So don't I'd have to I'd have to go to Statcast, do the search and like the spray chart. I wonder how many of those went down the lines because he's uh, he he's popping stuff high like a twenty four to thirty degree launch angle a lot of nights with the with that exit velocity he might be finding some uh some you know foul pole to foul pole type action there so interesting development you mentioned there the next one I'm actually surprised went for quite a bit um, he's playing really well right now it just has like that Taylor Naquin vibe to me but Jordan Luplau he had a walk off again on Monday night. Picked up in sixteen leagues as high as a hundred and two dollars, as low as one. Like I'm, I'm okay definitely with a one dollar bid. I would have been cool with like a maybe twenty thirty bucks maybe, but one hundred two seems a little steep for me. Um, I, now see Luplo's one. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Well, I mean, um, I, I was interested in Luplo too. I had him on a bunch of different chain uh, thread. That don't think I got him. I might have gotten him one place, but. You know, he generally is kind of a lefty masher, but Cleveland, because they've just had such awful production from the in- entire team, have been giving him opportunities against um, right-handed pitchers as well. He played it uh, again today. He got five plate appearances, even though Barrios was pitching, and he hit the game-winning home run. O-swing is low. It's been o- low throughout his career, so he's got a good eye. You know, his contact rate has always been pretty good as well, 74% this year, which is actually lower than his career average. So he checks a lot of those boxes and he's hitting the ball hard this year. Um, you know, the max F- exit below isn't anything to write home about, but that exit velocity is nice. You know, barrel rate so far this year, 17.2%, 41.4% hard hit rate. So, you know, some, some average liability probably there, 
but um, overall, you know, he looks like a guy that's decent to go after because he'll hit later on in the lineup, I think, against uh, righties, but against lefties, he'll hit towards the top of the lineup probably. So, you know, not a bad, not a bad, uh, not a bad guy to add, um, especially if you're not breaking the bank for him. Yeah, if you're not breaking the bank, I'm all I'm all about that. It is also worth noting because, like you said, he used to be like strictly platoon versus lefties. Uh, this year, going into Monday's action, he had three homers versus lefties, two off of righties. He had another one off a of righty to walk it off on Monday. And also going into Monday's action, he's only hitting 207 versus lefties and 286 versus righties. And that's something we've uh, I've noticed over the last week. Looking at him, he's actually hitting righties quite fine. So that's that's good to see, and that's what's kind of keep him in the lineup. Besides the fact, like you mentioned, the Indians' offense is just putrid so they, they need any anybody that they can put a ball in play pretty much right now but yeah he, he should be there to stay i'm with you there it's like i'm just curious does the does the tyler nyquin bitters do end up better than the lepplow bitters because they they feel so they do because they didn't pay as much yeah true, true. The, the, true. the lepplow ones end up doing better true. i think i don't know what the average bid was for lepplow but i think it was probably a lot lower than yeah, the nyquin ones yeah. yeah, the the max was 102 for level. I think the max for Naquin was what almost 300. Yeah, something crazy. So yeah, you're right in that respect, 100 percent there. Because yeah, definitely. All right, we kind of hinted at him to start things out here, but Josh Stomont went in 15 leagues, which kind of tells you two things: either people are asleep at the wheel, but I think he was owned in a lot of leagues already. Because yeah. I know going into the season, and even like in Mains and other non TGFBI, he was owned in pretty much all those already. Because I know we talked about it. That was the guy I thought was going to be the closer. And then injuries happened and weird things happened and Garrett, Greg Holland happened and all these things. But now Stomont's back healthy, went 15 leagues, as high as 150 as low as $4. Um, every week it's a new closer, Toby, that goes off the board. But Stomont got the save over the weekend. We kind of mentioned it early on uh, Monday. It went Barlow in the seventh, Holland in the eighth, Stomont in the ninth. They all went clean. Like you would think on paper that makes sense. But there's, you know, the reports out of Kansas City all the time is they've all bought on board for the, you know, platoon and the whatever works best for the team. So who knows what's happening? But right now it looks like it's Stomont's job. So this seems like a good bid for now. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like a good bid right now. Um, no doubt about it. I wasn't that into him just because honestly, this year he hasn't been that good. Um, the results have been good, but the skills have been uh, very subpar. You know, he's got a 115 Babbitt and an 89% strand rate. He's striking out lower than league average at 22%. He's walking above league average at 10%. He's got a K-minus walk rate of 12.2%, a swinging strike rate of 9%. His in-zone contact rate is close to 90. And his O-swing is well below league average as well. So essentially, he and every single possible, like, underlying metric he is not very good this year. And yet, small sample, we've got like a point something ERA. So he's going to be the next person to get Gomberg here, uh, I think, coming up when he's not when he's not going up against the uh, the, the vaunted Detroit Tigers. But um, no, I mean, I mean, if you bid on him, this is this was the best case scenario um, uh, for him. And his velocity is increasing. His velocity was down significantly early on in the year it has been increasing a little bit so maybe that will improve some of the underlying skills but um yeah it's uh i mean it's working out really well i i you know again my opinion on on closers this year is totally irrelevant because 
whatever I think is going to happen, the exact opposite happens. And so I would just, whatever I say, uh, do the opposite, which I don't think Stalmont is long for the job with the current skills. So he will undoubtedly be spending the rest of the season in the closers gig with like 40 plus saves <laughs> for their resurgent Kansas city Royals. Like I, I like Stalmont. I, I get it. I, I, we've talked about this week in and week out. There's always at least one closer that goes for a lot of money and it's just hard to stomach paying that much. Like I was happy in like 12 teamers, obviously different than 15 formats, but like the lease was still available. I got him for like $64 this week, which felt like stealing after what was going on, but I'll pay that instead of the $300 that we've seen and stuff like mm-hmm. the, along those lines. Uh, I like Stone. I didn't, I didn't get him anywhere because I wasn't breaking the bank because I'm still, I'm, I have a lot of great Holland shares. I just, I'm not a hundred percent kind of like between a, maybe Stone much stuttering, stumbling, like you said, and B, they're just going to keep moving guys around. And it goes back to the story we keep saying is instead of pay for the big piece, there's a couple guys we can kind of touch on later. Go take some dart throws on some other guys. Like I tweeted out a bunch on the weekends about a Tyler Rogers for the Giants. He might not get a ton of saves, but he's the guy right now if McGee's down. Like it's just it's, – it's what's happening. Go to get him for like three bucks or something. And this – at worst, you get good ratios out of it. So I don't know. I keep – I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with it, but – I just can't stomach paying these prices for these just revolving door situations. Yeah. Um, the can next, I bring, pa- can I bring in a, co- a comment from the from yeah. the from oh, I was thread here? That. Yeah, go for it. What do you got? Um, so Alex Thistlewood makes a good point, which is, "Hey, Toby, peripherals aren't skills, especially this early." So I use like the term skills to for like any metric, really, you know, like underlying metric, just as like a a peripheral thing. But skills like swinging strike rate and things like that that have that have a denominator that is pitches, you know, stabilize a lot quicker than things that involve like batted balls or batter's face because you're getting a much larger sample early on. And so what I'm looking for is changes in skills that are somehow related to something that's changed in what the pitcher is doing. And for Stallman, his velocity was down early on by I think two or three miles per hour. And so that made that, that kind of, identifies why he may be struggling a little bit more. Now, if his velocity increases and he gets back to throwing 99, then yeah, I mean, I'm sure everything else will improve. I mean, if you look across majors, the story this year with guys who are breaking out and guys who are sucking is velocity, right? Like Luis Castillo, velocity down two miles per hour, similar to how it was in 2018 when he also struggled. You know, Trevor Rogers, uh, Corbin Burns, uh, Manaya, all these guys who are pitching super well are all guys who have gotten one to two mile per hour bumps in their velo um, from last season as well. So that's kind of what I, when I say skills, I just mean like underlying metrics. It's shorthand for underlying metrics for me. And what I'm doing is not just trying to focus only on those, although I do focus on those early on, but it's really just thinking about like, is there something that explains why this guy may not have the same skills that he had last year, which the velo dip uh, indicates why. So that's, it's a great question and a great point. It is very early in the season, especially for relievers, but that's what we have to go on at this point. Yep. That's very, very true. Um, there's another one we'll bring up real quick before we, while we're on Stomont. Carlos Marcano, who I had on the show a few weeks ago, really, really awesome guy. Good fancy player. He says he would, he would be surprised if Holland doesn't claim the role and run with it. That's kind of my theory to maybe partly justifying owning or rostering Holland, but I feel like the the Royals want Holland to excel so they can trade him. 
that's kind of where I think they are. Like Stomont is a controllable, cheap asset where Holland can maybe help a contender and get a couple pieces back or something. So that's I assuming that's the Royals aren't contenders, Bubba. Second best record in all of baseball. See, if they just had expanded playoffs, I'd believe that even more. But it's like <laughs> all these teams coming up the hot starts, even the Giants. I'm like, eventually the shoe's going to drop. And, you know, with the expanded playoffs, they're still kind of in it. Without it, it's just like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, it just takes like one cold spell. And then you start thinking, okay, now they're going to start being sellers. Here we go. It's just, that's all it takes. But I'm with you. I see what you're saying. 100% agree with you there. That that is quite interesting. Um, the next high, uh, next most rostered player, Austin Gomber. Don't think we need to talk about him. I think we're good. Um, it didn't go well. I, I picked him up. We both picked him up yeah. last week. Yeah, we were, I was all so proud of that one. We got a cheap destruction of our roster, at least. Yeah, yeah at least it didn't uh, cost me more than like God. four bucks. So we're good. Yeah, you know, I tweeted out before the start happened. I was like, I have a very bad feeling about these Gomber starts. And yeah. the thing is, the thing for me is, you know, with these two-start streamers, the reason they're on the waiver wire is because they're generally not very good pitchers. And when you looked at the skills for Gomber, they were not good, right? I mean, I think there was some regression, positive regression for the walk rate, right? That we could have maybe, you know, you don't assume it's going to happen in one start, but was due him. But also the Babbitt was super low. And what did we see tonight? I wasn't watching the game, and I'm sure he was getting knocked around. But, like, he gave up how many hits in one and two-thirds? Like nine. And I think seven of them were singles. He didn't give up a single home yeah, run. He got bad. But, you know, I had the game on in the background. I just wasn't paying attention to how many runs were scored. But yeah. um, they weren't crushing him by any means. And if you look at his, like, baseball savant, you know, they're all, like, 50%, you know, expected BA, which is obviously a high BA. But that means that half of the time they're supposed to be outs, and none of them were outs tonight. And that's going to happen but you kind of saw that with his Babbitt being low, like that, that, that those types of nights were going to happen. And I think it's just a reminder, like the two start starters are generally not worth it. They really aren't because all it takes is one of these. And all I'm thinking is, well, if Shane Bieber goes nine, you know, shutout innings in his next two starts, then that combined with Austin Garber's start, God forbid what he does in his second start of the week, that will give me a three ERA. So everything will be okay, right? As easy so, as that. Yeah, as easy as that. And so it's just really, um, it really is a lesson that I need to learn every single year. And, and it happens. And, you know, when whenever you have the choice, go with the better pitcher. Yep. Yeah, last week it was people got rossed. This week it was Gombard. Can't wait to see what next week is. It's gonna oh, be so man. much fun. I, I was I was do it because I was criti- so critical of the Ross people yep. last week. I deserve this. And the thing is, I still believe in Gomber. That's just, I, I have no belief in Ross at all. Like, I just don't. Gomber, I, there's still something there. Like there was peripherals in St. Louis that showed he was actually a pretty decent pitcher. So I'm like, there, there's got to be something there. And I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really mm, really it's really weird. But um, the next one here, El Tortuga, Williams Astadio, getting picked up here. 15 leagues, max 46, low of one. They're getting some regular playing time at first base with Sano out. Even saw some reps at second base. Uh, it's one thing he can do is play all over besides just catcher. But it's like, as much as I love the guy, he's a lot of fun, decent hitter. Eventually, if I guess you just keep hoping guys get hurt and they rotate him around or something. I guess that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I got him for a buck in a league where I See, had. That's fine. Um, that makes sense. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, I, I had Torrens. I had Torrens in, so I'm just kind of 
mixing and mashing. Thankfully, I have, um, you know, most of my leagues, my catcher positions are, are pretty, pretty good. I, I forget, I always forget how much I hate streaming catchers. Yes. But um, yeah, with us to be, you, you, you said it like, I mean, great bats of all skills. The batting average would be great, which is tremendous for, um, you know, for, for, uh, for, for your catcher position. But yeah, I think, you know, I don't think he's going to continue to play once everybody's back and healthy, but they aren't back and healthy quite yet. And they have quite a few injury quote unquote prone players uh, like D- Donaldson and Buxton, you know, was out today. So we'll see, um, you know, but while he's in, I mean, he's certainly a, an, an asset to have and I just wouldn't spend a ton as you mentioned before. Did you see that home run he hit off of Brubaker by the way? Yeah. That was oh, that else. was like the that pitch was like nuts, above his dude. head. Uh, that was just uh, that's straight like Vlad, like senior Vlad, like stuff. It's like I'm just swinging whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, Vlad Jr. could never do that. No, it's too much of a launch angle. It's too much of a launch angle to get too much of a launch angle for sure. I don't think he's ever hit a ball actually at that launch angle before. Uh, <laughs> he's getting a head start on the launch angle with it up there. It's just not fair. Well, you know, yeah. do you know how many barrels he has since opening day? I'm guessing the same amount as last week. Three, yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're just gonna need each like a whiteboard with like the updated stats behind you of the ones you, that just stand out. It's like it's like the old like uh, news thing. It's just here's updated Vlad stats that matter for me. <laughs> totally. Well, if it makes everybody feel better, I'm on tilt because of the Gomber start, yeah. and so I'm taking it out on on uh, on my, more innocent Vlad. Yeah, more innocent and so Vlad. just know that my soul right now is actually in pain. And so uh, even though like I'm projecting my feelings on to Vlad Jr. during this episode, like really the hurt is deep down uh, inside at the moment. So. Yeah. Gomber hurts. Gomber hurts. It's really once I, every night late at night, once games are over, I always look at the updated standings just because, you know, who cares? I can already tell I'm not going to look forward to a couple of those. <laughs> as we, when we go. Well, it's just like last Monday I had Lucas Gili. I'll start off my week like a freaking boom. But by the end of the week, I was back to where I started. So, like, just pray that things like it's a long season. I keep telling myself, it's, like, if this was like the second to last week and we're fighting for the last little deal, this would really sting like a lot more. But yeah, that's just the way I, I try to think about it. But yeah, it stinks either way. Um, the next guy, though, is a person I picked up in as many places as possible. And his name is Nico Horner. 14 leagues, high as 192, as low as 24. I spent like $40 on him. Not 192, that's for sure. Like I love Nico Horner, but 192 is even too steep for me. But what I loved about Nico Horner is he crushed it in the spring. Big time prospect even last year. We saw glimpses, or in 2019, I guess. Um, Should have made the opening day roster. Didn't make it because Eric Sogard and, and Boat made it. Well, there's injuries that have forced the hand, and since he's been called up, he's played every day. He's leading off on Monday. He hit his fourth double in five games. Um, the kid can hit, and I, I think he's here to stay. I really do like He's gonna get his pro- He's gonna force his way in here. Like you can't keep playing Sogard and company over him if he's doing this. He's got a little bit of power, but he's got speed. Can set the table for the Cubs offense, which is mashing right now. So I, I wasn't breaking the bank, but I put like thirty to fifty dollars bids out there, and I got him in a lot of places. And I'm, I'm very pleased with that because he's second base shortstop eligible and will gain outfield pretty soon too. Which I, I it just he's basically a Mauricio Dubon, which I always wanted, but he's hitting. So it's like here we go. So that's my thoughts on on Horner, and I'm hoping it stays. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as into Hunt Horner just because I worry a little bit about, you know, he doesn't really have the power or the speed, so you're really relying on that batting average. But like you mentioned, positional flexibility, you know, uh, if he gets everyday play appearances, that's certainly worth a lot right now. 
Um, and, you know, you mentioned Mauricio Dubon. Do you know who Mauricio Dubon had a bases loaded clearing uh, yes. trip double against tonight? Uh, I believe it was Austin Gomber, actually. It was, it's just Austin Gomber you got. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what happens when you take out the M and replace it with an O in Gomber? Goober. He's goober. a goober. It's yeah. goober. goober. I thought you were going to say, I gonna say re- replace the G with a B and he's giving a bomb. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna go Austin Goober from now on. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's, it's a rough Goober. one. Goober. Um, I have nothing against him. You know, he's doing his best out there. He's trying his best. It was just it was just one of those nights. One of those and nights. When he deal and when he deals for us later this week, we'll be happy. So it'll be fine. Oh, no. It'll, it'll all come together. No hitter. A no hitter. Please, hey, no hitter. I'll take a quality it, start. I'll take six you, six innings, three earned, and six Ks. I'll take it right now. Just just sign me up for that. And we'll walk away. <laughs> if he pitches a perfect game on Saturday, his ERA for the week is nine or like yeah. slightly under nine, and his WHIP will be like one two or something like that. So, yeah. we'll come out <sighs> victorious. It'll be great. We can't all yeah. we can't all have two start Mad Bum weeks. Just can't happen. No, you can't. You but, can't. But the, the I would next like guy. to point out, though, on the show, uh, two weeks ago, we said, or three weeks ago, I believe, I, I said, I hope Mad Bum has a really bad start because he's got another, another bad matchup. And then people drop him, and then we pick him up, and you get to start him. Now, it was a little you delayed in most of my 15-teamers. I picked him up in a couple places this week, nice. but it was a little bit later because the skills have been good. I mean, the skills have been good. and you know, he, again, he's the opposite of a of Austin Goober. He uh, had a really high bat and um, is compensating for it. So, yeah. Well, po- Posey just hit a six homer of the year, so that's good. But um, yeah, the uh, the the Bumgarner stuff. Like, I liked what we saw in spring training. Just the velo up. It, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier: is the velocity thing. And like, it's not good. It wasn't consistent early on with Bumgarner, but. If he just has that extra velo, that's all he needs. Like, because he's more of a he can pitch instead of throw. But when he starts throwing eighty eight, then everyone's going to hit him. But if he can go to ninety one, he's got a shot to make things interesting. We've seen that his last two to three starts. Which I'm not like he's going to have a lot of bad starts. Still, I'm not going to say he's going to be perfect, but he's going to be at least streamable at times. Which a few weeks back or even last season wasn't even an option. That's so it'll be interesting with Mad Bum for sure, and with the Diamondbacks hitting. That helps a lot too. Let's hope that I hit this weekend. Yes, yes, not this weekend. You can wait. Let Austin Gomber get through town, and then we can. We don't want another goober outing. Um, Think about the man's self esteem. All right, Arizona Diamondbacks. Think about his self esteem on Saturday. Oh Jesus! Okay, this next pickup though, this one surprised me. Like I'm a Giants fan, and I've watched Alex Woods' last two starts, both against the Marlins. Might I add? He got picked up in 13 leagues as high as 111 dollars. As low as eleven, and he went for a lot more in some other leagues, like in other formats than one hundred and eleven bucks. Toby, I'm going to be completely honest. A, I'm always worried about just the health and longevity of Alex Wood, and B, like it's been cool and all, but it's the Marlins, and I need to see a lot more before I'm showing out that kind of cash on Alex Wood. That's me. But what are your thoughts? Like maybe you like him, and you can prove me wrong here, but I am, I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think the skills have been great. I think the challenge always with Wood for me, and I was in on him, but my bids were in the like uh, thirty-five to forty-five dollar range, I think. And like in one of my leagues, he went for one hundred ninety, I think. 
something like that. I mean, the thing is, you know, the last time he pitched for an extended period of time was 2018, I think. Um, and he pitched really well. And every time he pitches for an extended period of time, he pitches very well. However, again, the last time he pitched for an extended period of time was 2018. So you have to be thinking about the injury issues. I think you also have to be thinking about, yes, he, he faced the Marlins twice, which is certainly a benefit. I mean, this Marlins team right now, outside of tearing apart Corbin Burns today, uh, you know, they're down, you know, a couple of their big bats too. Um, and so, yeah, so I think there's those pieces. And also like, he's very rarely going to go beyond five innings. Um, you know, so there's that piece of the equation too. So I just wasn't in a place where I felt good about going that extra mile for him. Again, if he pitches for an extended period of time, he's probably going to be pretty good. And he's got Colorado this week. He's got at Colorado next week. But then after that, I think he has a two-step against Texas at home and then at Pittsburgh. So that could be really nice as well. So, I mean, there's certainly reasons to have bid a lot for him. But in order to justify, I think, those larger bids, you know, you are going to need to have him pitch for an extended period of time, which he hasn't been able to do for a while. Um, so I guess we'll just wait and see and, and find out what happens. Yeah, no, I, I, as a Giants fan, I hope he does well. I like – like, your bids make sense to me. I, when I'm seeing these triple-digit bids, I just looked at the overall, like, every NFPC league while you're talking. He went for as high as 201. Like, that's a fifth of your budget on Alex Wood, and then – I hope he's a Cy Young for you. That's just that's that's really really tough for me to see. Like I was literally thinking last night when I'm seeing my leagues, looking at different fabs and everything, and seeing stuff tweeted out. I would love to just have a show where it's like I have access to everybody that bids and go, "Hey, can I have you for like five minutes to explain to me why you bid X amount?" Because like maybe they have a logical reason. And I'm really curious. Like I really want to hear where their mindset was on why did you bid on this guy? Like what what was your theory? And I think that'd be a ton of fun because most of these people we don't even know who they are, but just get different ideas because how many times do you look at fab? I know I look at other people talk about it. It's like this league, this guy went for 12 bucks. This league went for 140. Like where's the process here that changed this like $120 difference type. That's all I'm curious about. I think it'd be a kind of a fun study, but maybe, mm. maybe, maybe most wouldn't like it, but I think I'd like to see the logic that the process that went into play there. That's all I'm curious about, but for sure. Yeah. We'll and I mean, one thing that I think Rob Silver said, um, he had a tweet about it where he was just kind of like, you know, when Alex Wood was healthy and he signed with the Giants, where was he being drafted, right? Like in the 400s of ADP. Think about all the pitchers that went ahead of him. And do we really think that there's a significant skill change that's happened for Alex Wood between now, between when you were drafting him and now? And I think that's kind of a really good exercise to go through. And one that I really wish that I used tonight, because in some of the leagues that I'm starting Austin Gomber, I picked up Spencer Turnbull last week and I started Gomber over Turnbull because I was worried about the Yankees start at the end of the week. And so um, another good thing to be like, Hey, maybe I'll just go with the better pitcher with a two-star week instead of trying to play this matchup garbage. Um, so anyways, everything, everything leads back to Austin Gomber tonight. And <laughs> I'm picking up on that. It's, 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 it's a fun show. Yeah. Um, the next one, we'll see how this goes back to Austin Gomber. I'm curious. Um, I want it to be organic though, not forced. Um, okay. Ryan, Ryan Weathers was picked up in 12 leagues as high as 308, as low as 51. I knew he'd be very popular. It's got the spot in the rotation with Lamette out. I really be, 
I don't know. That's a whole other podcast on what the Padres are doing with Lamette. That makes no sense. I'm, I'm worried about the guy, personally, uh, and that arm ever being able to pitch again if they keep doing this. But um, he looked great. His last start against the Dodgers. There's two starts this year against the Dodgers, but looked outstanding in L.A. Um, everyone's jumping on him. He's got the prospect pedigree, family pedigree, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I didn't get any shares of him. I did not break the bank like others did, but – What's your thoughts on him? Because I'm just a he's young. So how what are the innings looking like? Uh, there's there's a lot of questions I have about Weathers. Yeah, I mean I'm not going to lie, Bubba. I'm turning into a curmudgeon. I think um, I'm just like I, I was I was I had typed out a tweet. I'm going to sneeze in a second here. Bless you. We're good. We're good shape. First time I think I've ever sneezed on the podcast. And he's fully vaccinated. Special, Don't worry about it. We're good. Special night. <laughs> special night today. Gombard and a sneeze. All a Austin Goober and <laughs> sleeves. Um, so with Brian Weathers, I just don't I don't understand it at all. I mean, I think for me, it's like a purely results driven decision to spend a significant amount of draft of of capital on him. I mean, he's obviously with the Padres, which is really good. You know, it's great. He could be really good, but again, when you look under the hood, uh, 0.097 Babbitt. Right. So he's getting super lucky on balls in play, 100% strand rate, getting super lucky there. The K minus walk rate is nice at 20.4%. But again, the walk rate is higher than league average at 9.3%. The swinging strike rate is well below league average at 8.9%. His CSW is below league average at 28.2%. His first bit strike rate is below league average. His zone contact is right around league average. And his O swing is 22%, which is horrific. And so when I look at him, I don't see anything that really jumps out and tells me like, oh, you know, he's a really good pitcher, except for the fact that he got super lucky on balls in play. Like you even look at the stat cast metrics. And again, we're going off of 15 innings here. So it doesn't mean a lot, but just in the context of his starts, he's given up three barrels in those, in those 15 innings, 9.4% barrel rate, you know? And so it's not like he's like he's limiting the quality of contact of the opposition either. He's essentially just gotten lucky to this point. And so again, that doesn't mean that he couldn't be better moving forward and he couldn't be really good moving forward. You know, maybe the skills will change, but, um, but again, I don't see anything in here that, that, that uh, deserves a meaningful, meaningfully high bid. Yeah, uh, that's that's why I, got, I like the kid. I'm curious how he does, but I couldn't stomach the the expensive bids on that one either. A couple other pitchers that went: uh, Chris Flexen in 12 leagues, Davy Garcia in 11, Domingo Herman in nine. A couple guys coming up, possible two star weeks, depending on how the Yankees use their rotation this week. But Flexen's been pretty popular as well. Uh, I did get some Herman for cheap in a couple leagues, but didn't really go hard about any of these guys. You? Um. Yeah. Let's. Um. Flexin, I had some bids on. I think I got him in one place. You know, he's got the changeup that I think is decent. I should check it out. But he also was – what was interesting to me is he was throwing a cutter, and I didn't think of him as like a cutter guy, but he got seven swinging strikes on his cutter in his last game. So let's take a look at Flexin here. Um, you know, again, uh, swinging strike rate at 8.5%, not great. Uh, he's not walking guys. He is getting guys to chase on pitches outside the zone. So the control metrics are pretty good. Uh, he does have a very high BABIP. So, you know, some decent things going on. Not necessarily a K guy, but, um, you know, certainly uh, he at least has control, so he's not going to walk guys. 
<clears throat> Austin Gomber. Um, and yeah, I mean, the cutter has an 11.4% swinging strike rate. So maybe that's a pitch that can help him out a little bit. Uh, the changeup actually hasn't been that good. It's been the curveball that's been his best uh, secondary pitch. So I put in, I got him for a buck uh, somewhere um, kind of towards the end there. I didn't put in on Davey or Herman, um, or else I think I did, but very, he was, Herman wasn't available in my, any of my leagues, but Garcia was, but I put in some minimal bids there. I did get a couple shares of Diekman, um, you know, who didn't pitch great today, but he escaped a jam and kept my Sean Mania wins in place, which was really nice. Um, you know, those were some of the guys that I ended up, uh, that I ended up getting here. Um, and I'll check the main one. Um, yeah, those were some of the guys I ended up getting like Brad Miller, a few places with a couple $2 bids. You know, it wasn't a big week. The, my biggest splurge was I, I, I spent 126 bucks on uh, Lucas Sims was available in one of my main events. And I got him uh, as, as you're not surprised. If you listen to anything I say, uh, outside of my Austin Gomber words, I'm also struggling with in the safeties department. And so um, I think of my, the backup bid was like 73 bucks or something like that. So well, I like Lucas Sims. Garrett's yeah, broken. Seattle's not doing much. Sims, I have a big, I was picking Sims going into the year. So I, I like that pickup quite a bit. Hey, uh, Muskowitz asked, yes. would Vlad be able to get a barrel off of Flexen? This is a really good question. Uh, the answer, this is actually for Ryan Weathers, I believe, is when this comment oh, came okay. in. Um, the answer is no. Uh, the only pitcher in Major League Baseball who Vlad Jr. could get a barrel off of um, is uh, Austin Goober. And then we're back. He's the only, <laughs> only person. Um, but no, I, you know, and, and again, I don't want to be a curmudgeon and be like, I'm against everything. But like, this is why we have a process, right? Is because, especially early in the season, there's a lot of noise. And the reason you develop a process is to try to figure out who are the players that are that long-term, like if you're going to bet a couple hundred bucks, right? You're talking long-term. Who are the players that can contribute long-term? And so when I look at some of these guys, I want to see something, right? If Ryan Weathers had like a 15% swinging strike rate, you know, and the skills were off the charts, again, it's a small sample, but we only have what we have to go off right? Then maybe, right? Because you're like, well, if he can continue this up, or even if he gets a little bit of regression, you know, you're, you're still looking at a pretty solid skill set. but I don't necessarily see that in a lot of the pitchers. So I'd rather go with a flex in for like a buck, you know, than a Ryan Weathers for a hundred or whatever, whatever it would have cost him to get this, this week. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, a couple other guys, I'm just, I want to get your two cents on because I've been Watching them get added everywhere, and I just can't stomach it. But I will admit, Kyle Gibson's been really good his last two or three starts. Really rough the first go around, but he's been talked about a lot, and people are going to grab him quite a bit. His sinker is just—it's getting hit, but not quite as bad as last year. Um, He's—I don't know—everything's looking better than last year overall. But um, are you buying into this with Gibson? Because I just find a hard time still buying into to Kyle Gibson. He's getting like the slider and the cutter is getting a lot of a lot of swing and miss on it, but I don't know how sustainable that is. Yeah, I mean, I would have to dive in a little bit more. His velo is up a uh, mile per hour from last year, but it's only where it was at in 2019 when he pitched with Minnesota. So my guess would be that he will end up somewhere similar to this. I think the challenge always with Gibson is he's looked very good for a little while, 
you know, he does have he, his, his Z contact is much better, which is really critical for him because it's never been good. So he's got to get guys to miss outside the zone. I'm guessing that's probably the cutter. So I'll look in a second here, but I think the challenge with Gibson has always been that he'll look good for a little while and the skills look really, really good, but he can't beat you in the zone. And so he's always on the fringes and he inevitably will walk, you know, a bunch of guys in a start and give up some multi, uh, multi home runs. He hasn't given a home run up, up a home run this year. So that's one thing you know, 1.6 in 2020, 129 in 2019. Um, so let me just check, take a look here really quickly at the pitches. Cause I know the cutter is like a relatively new development for him. Um, so. The cutter is pretty much brand new. He barely yeah, used it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The cutters, the cutters generating a ton of in zone yeah. uh, whiffs. So maybe he is different, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's definitely worth a shot for sure. Um, you know, I'd much rather go after him given the skills that he's showing so far. And that Z contact is so important for that very reason. Like the reason why he operated on the fringes and he got pitches, swings on pitches outside the zone so much is because he couldn't beat guys in the zone. Well, now with the cutter, if he can beat guys in the zone, then it's a little bit of a different story. So um, definitely, definitely a guy of interest for sure. Yeah, no, I was looking at the cutter change, and that maybe that's adding to the slider getting better. And his sinker's still getting hit for an average over 300, but he's limiting the damage by using that cutter more. That cutter and the slider's getting a lot of whiffs. So Yeah, I mean, if you look at the slider, though, it, it, it had pretty much the same. It had the same in 2019, same in 2018. Um, you know, so it, it, that's the same pitch. He's always True. had that. True. He's always had that pitch. I think that cutter, though, it's brand you know, new, it pretty be, much. Could be big, yeah. It could be, it could be huge for him. All righty. Uh, the other one, you don't have to dig into this, but I just say like JB Bukowski got picked up. A lot of people think he might be the future closer in Arizona. He got called up, so keeping him on the radar. Adbert Alzale got picked up in a lot of places, a lot of leagues. I'm in for some for pretty steep money, not so much high as 77 in TGFBI, but I saw triple digits in some spots that threw me for quite a curveball. Tyler Rogers got a couple ads. He went for as high as 121 bit steep there but um overall pretty interesting like adam wainwright barely went to six leagues 31 he's been filthy i saw matt modica tweet out a tweet on, on adam wainwright after his just dominance on monday if i can bring this up i will it's uh it's a pretty impressive stat he was like 35 strikeouts in 24 innings or something like something that. like that it's right here not buster posey but um, Adam Wainwright has struck out 31 batters versus five walks in his last four starts over 26 innings with a 2.42 ERA and a 108 whip. And everyone kept saying he was too old. Why are they bringing him back? Well, so far, so good. And he pitched well last year, too. So I'm not just saying that for this. He pitched well. Uh, Spencer Turnbull's back with two-star week. Um, Madbum got picked up in a few places. So some interesting ads, but we, we kind of hit on the, the big ones. Is there anybody else you wanted to uh, to break down real quick? or Yeah. You're good. No, I, th- I think you mentioned Alzale. That's a really yeah. interesting one. I like that a lot. 14.5% swing strike rate, 21.1% K minus walk, 34.1% O swing, 79% Z contact. So well above league average across the board there. One of the reasons he has a high ERA, 446, uh, 44.6 uh, strand rate. Um, you know, he also has the low Babbitt though. So those will probably even themselves out. He's super inefficient on the mound, which I think is the challenge, right? He walks a lot of guys. He throws um, a lot of balls, or else he has historically. 
And so, you know, he's not going to go deep into games, but that's the type of guy that I want to take a shot at as opposed to, you know, kind of big name person, um, you know, going for a hundred bucks or whatever, whatever it was. So that was a, that's a really good, I think that's a really good uh, shout right there. Yeah, no, he's interesting. I remember having him at times last year because he's got that pedigree. And when he's, when he's on, he's got some filthy movement. But like you said, the inconsistencies with Alzale make it difficult. But when he's on, that swing and miss is going to be prevalent with him. Um, let's get some listener questions in here. We've got a few for this evening. Drew at Fru underscore Dorte asks, how would you rank these guys for rest of season production? Willie Castro, Anthony Santander, Christian Walker, Jesus Aguilar, Alex Kirilov, and Avisel Garcia. That's Willie Castro would be last. He is a uh, struggle. For, a first, I would say, I mean, Santander's injured, yep. but I think I like him the most still. I mean, really, like, unless there's something that's changed in their skill set, it should be, like, where you would have drafted them. So, you know, Santander would have been first. Christian Walker would probably be second again. He's injured, though, so you got to factor that in. But I don't think the long-term prognosis is that concerning for either one of those guys. Um, and then the third one would be uh, Jesus Aguilar, I think. Yeah. Probably just because he's playing every day. He's, he's swinging a good. In that lineup. He's swinging yeah. well right now. But, you know, you kind of knew what you were going to get out of him, like 260, 270, 20 home runs, 60 runs, 80 RBI or something like that, which is not bad. You know, I might put Abisail Garcia ahead of Aguilar just because outfield is a little bit tougher than first base right now. And he's got the speed factor as well. Um, so those guys are pretty close to me. It's more about need. And then um, did I miss one? Uh, there's Alex Kirilov and um, – yeah, it's Alex Kirilov. I'd probably put Kirilov above Abisail and Jesus Aguilar just because I think those guys have been around for a little while. It depends on what you need, but I think Kirilov has a higher ceiling, right? He's new. He's got the hit tool. The projections like him. They think he's going to do a decent job. Um, and so, you know, you kind of want to maybe take more of that, the, the risk of the floor that you might get in Kirilov, which is, you know, he continues being over the world, although he did get a double today. Yeah, um, and he goes, get sent back to the minors. You probably want to take that risk to go along with the ceiling, right? That he, that he's got a plus hit tool. He hits for average, he hits for a little bit of power. He can steal some bases as well. When, you know, for, as for like a guy like Jesus Aguilar, where you kind of know what you're going to get generally speaking. And, you know, I think Kirilov probably has a higher ceiling than, than Jesus Aguilar does, but um, Aguilar is more steady and more likely to con- continue to t- contribute. So a lot depends on just like where your team's at and, and, and what interests you more at this particular time. Yeah. Kirilov's interesting. So I wonder, I want to know how long of a leash they're going to give him because it was an ugly weekend, but you mentioned the double on Monday. I feel like they just have to let him run. We've seen what he can do in the minors. He's the top prospect for a reason. You got to play him, but it's like, when they get their players back, do they say, hey, go get some more season in the minors? I have no idea. So I'm curious to see how that goes. But he definitely has a great ceiling, as you mentioned. Um, I like Walker, Santander, Aguilar. Then Abby Garcia, if he continues to play every day and steal bags, that's very, very intriguing because that's an asset that it's hard to find, like you said, in the outfield right now. Um, Rob Pietro, I think, has more of a comment than a question for the two of us. Dear two of my favorite analysts and humans, at what point should we consider a second chance DC for the battle of the pods? I think he's running away with it. Yeah. Um, is he, I'm in second. 
Uh, so yeah, me, I think I'm like, well, I, I, I fluctuate between like sixth and ninth all the time. I'm in like that little middle ground let's, there. Let's so. see what we got. Let's see what we got. Rob's got 122. I've got 115.5. So you're right on him. You got him. Those, those are those are kind of fighting words. I feel like. Yeah. Rob. See, I think he's he's. he's I think this is Brooklyn or uh, New York fighting words right here. The problem with Rob is that he's peaked early in this. <laughs> in this, uh, I never like to be in first place, as as you'll see from my teams. I, I prefer <laughs> very much to come from behind and. You want to be sneaky, you know? Yeah, exactly. I want to be sneaky for sure. Um, and then he says, "Who has more top ten overall teams in the NFC?" Sincerely, close friend, arch nemesis, pull hitter. So, I, where where is he? Um, where is he top ten? I have no idea. Okay, I have no uh, idea. So right now, my my main event teams are 352nd overall, 421st overall, 259th overall, and my one that was uh, like up to 50th overall, I think late last week is now had Austin Gomber on it is now 166th overall. So again, there's no point in listening to anything that I have to say. Yeah. Um, Battle of the pods. I'm up to fourth now, which is nice. Um, TGF, TGFBI. I was like as high as like 15th overall at one point last week, but I got Gombered. So I'm third now in my league and 69th overall. So that, that happened. Um, and I'm still, f- I'm first in my NFBC 51 of them. And I'm third overall there, mm. but yeah. Long, I saw you were long first long overall before. It's awesome. Hey, the winner of this yeah. NFBC 50, it's a free entry into the main event. So That's let's roll. Sweet, dude. I'm, I'm but, pulling for you there. Yeah. Long, long, long ways to go. I expect to finish like 61st. So uh, it's yeah. just the way it's going to go. You, like you said, peak too early. At least I can't like mess with the fab and stuff. It is what it is. It's just like set my roster. I, I, I can't complain too much. Um, sure. Dave Petrozello says Toby was talking about missing on Chisholm last week. That's how I feel about Dustin May. I'm very upset with myself. Am I being too critical of myself? Yeah, we weren't sure if he was in the rotation, and this missing bats wasn't there yet. But still, I should have at least one share. I'm I'm guilty of it. Like I a I didn't think he's at a spot in the rotation, hundred percent there. And b I needed to see the strikeouts. Like I just needed to see them. Maybe it's my fault for needing to see them, but that's that's where I was. So I'm guilty as charged. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, I think the thing is, you got to run your process, and you got to figure out what is going to work best for you. Um, you know, and sometimes you're going to miss on guys, and sometimes you're going to be right on guys. And with with May, I didn't have any interest in him uh, either. I mean, you know, um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, I haven't really dug like that uh, deep into him thus far. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There seems to be different things that are happening with him that I don't know about. You know, the cutter seems to have come out of out of nowhere and been very successful. So maybe it's a different pitch than the cutter that he was using um, this season uh, before. Um, you know, the swinging strike rate is is up significantly. It's almost it's almost doubled. So you can't necessarily anticipate that. I mean, some people did right, and so they're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to happen to everybody. And, you know, and, and I was joking around about this, about, um, you know, with Vlad Jr. and stuff like that. And, you know, again, I belabor the point too much, but it's just like you have a process and you develop it. And the reason why you develop it is because you think it's going to work well. And, and you, the reason you have that process is to keep you from making decisions that you think are, not good decisions. Now, if your process is wrong, right, then you're going to miss on some things. 
And then you need to refine your process and you always need to be tinkering, right? So it's like, you know, uh, some of my big misses like Corbin Burns because I saw it and I just didn't want to believe it yet. And so maybe it's like, if you see it, you know, and again, you, you had a rough outing today, but I still see and believe everything that he's doing. And it's kind of like, you know, you got it. You got to be willing to take that, that step. And maybe the vast majority of instances, it doesn't work out. So I'm, I'm just using confirmation bias or recency bias to kind of like, you know, um, to latch on to that. But it's the same thing with May, right? If you go back and you look at, you know, the history of, you know, 99 mile per hour throwing sinker ballers who had an 8.4% swinging strike rate, you know, the chance that they jump up to 14.1% swinging strike rate is probably, you know, pretty low, right? But there also aren't a lot of those profiles in existence. So, you know, again, use your process, try to make the best decisions you can. You're always going to miss out on some guys. I think the keys are to, to make sure that you're not getting the guys that are really going to hurt you because that's even more important than getting the guys right in a lot of ways. Somebody said that when I was talking about um, Burns maybe or, or somebody or Vlad Jr. or something like that. And I think that's a really good point um, there. And so, you know, again, figure out what your process is. Every year, apply it. Do the best that you can. Refine that process. Figure out what's changing in baseball, what was maybe a fluke, what isn't. You know, and again, wait, you know, let's wait until we're – you know, at least 80 games into the season to figure out whether we've gotten these right or wrong or not. Yeah. Like I, I was can't remember who I was talking to. It might've been on my last show or something that I at least wait till the end of April before I start really kind of digging in more like on, you know, are you giving up on this guy? You're moving like, like what's give me at least a month of data to start thinking of. And before you like, we've joked about even like Jeff Erickson was tweeting about the other day. I think when you were tweeting about when do I take the L on Vlad, uh, Erickson was tweeting about, well, what about like Glass now and Burns? And I said, I'll take the L on the fact that they've been very good. But a lot of my analysis was how many innings do they go for where they're getting drafted, which we can't find that out for a while. That's like a long ways down the road. Like these guys are great. It's even if they throw 140 innings, it might still bite me in the ass because they've been that good. Like it's still, I didn't think they'd be this good, but you know, where they were getting drafted, you wanted ace innings. So there's a lot of things you can take, you you can get mad at yourself for, but let's, you know, Dustin Mays look great for two starts. Let's see where the rest is. Like, we have five more months to go here. Like, there's a lot that can go. He can get gombered, and the next thing you know, it's just like, it's over. But um, I mean, he gave up four earned runs against the Mariners. Yeah, like, anything's possible. Like, the kid's good. We never said May wasn't good. It was just a matter of could he put it all together, and He's done it a couple times. He did it on national TV against the Padres. That's fun. That'll get recognition. But let's also kind of be like, show me some consistency here. We'll have to kind of wait and see. Um, the other thing is, Toby, you're beating yourself up a lot about like, trusting the process. Your process works because you're very successful. So I think that's why people listen to you. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, you've you've uh, won plenty of titles to, to show you're just fine. I appreciate um, that, Baba. I'm still... Uh... Oh, I get it. I get it. But it's like if you want to wait and see until like eighty games for May, well, you gotta wait eighty games before you get really mad at yourself too. So like, hey, that's in, eight, in eighty games, Gomber's ERA and whip that he contributed today will just be a little blip if, on the radar. If, if yeah, if Gomber's on your roster by seven oh one on Sunday night, I'll be impressed. So let's just let's just go that route. Um, next question: Dan the Goat at Dan McEwen says, "Man, I gotta know what's up with Joseph Nicholas Gallo." Ground ball machine all of a sudden, elite chase rate, but 33% Ks. Juan Pierre Power, 429 Babbitt, but still under 250 average. His profile is wonky. It is wonky. Like, I've watched some of his games, and it's just bizarre. It's bizarro world with him. Um, have you dug under the hood on him at all? 
You know, I haven't uh, dug under the hood that much. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, it looks very similar to what he's always done. Um, minus the homers. <laughs> minus the homers, but he has a 9.1% home run to fly ball rate. Look so like a 0.045 ISO. That's ridiculous. Like, no power yeah. at all. His max exit below is down a little bit, actually, for the... No barrels. One, two, three, four, fourth consecutive year. Does Vlad uh, have more barrels than him? Down. No, Vlad does have more barrels. That's <laughs> he only has one barrel. Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. But certainly when you know your guy is a is a major power hitter and he's hit the 90 plate appearance mark for the season, and he's only got one barrel. That is certainly a reason to be uh, very concerned. I don't remember any injury news with him. Not this year. You know, no. the ground ball rate is spiking as well, forty-five point seven percent. So again, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what is going on. It could just be. You know, what it's a good exercise to do is to let's let's take a look at his um his rolling average graph and let's there just you see. Go. So ninety play appearances. How many games has he played? Like about. Let's just say fifteen. Well, his contacts are just contact skills are down too. Yeah, so let's just look at ground ball, hard hit rate, and woba um, over this period of time. So um, over the last, but let's make it bigger. Let's do multiple seasons all the way back to 2015. Contextualize it. Um, maybe too much data for this graph to handle right here. Um, so his 18.2% hard hit rate is the lowest it has been since, you know, the year after his rookie season. Um, his WOBA at 322 is actually okay. And that's because the walk rate is so high. Um, the ground ball rate is one of the higher ones, but he's also had similar ground ball spikes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly a bad run of games for him, uh, but he's done th- similar things throughout his career. So barring some sort of injury news, you know, you, you got him, you kind of knew what you were getting out of him. Um, so you got to kind of stick with it a little bit. The Woba is on, on the increase recently, although, you know, so who knows? I mean, again, we're 90 plate appearances in. A lot can happen over that period of time. So we just got to do – you, you, you got to decide. Maybe you put him on the bench and wait until he has – he hits three home runs in a game and all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's back on par. That's that's always the danger of it. Yep. That's the cat and mouse game. Yeah, it's really weird right now. Looking at it is just generic. Just looking at the StatCast page, his contact skills are down a little bit. His aggressiveness is not quite there. Like his first pitch swing, his overall swing – uh, it's down his meatball swing is down like 20 something percent. So even like good pitches, he's just taking, um, it'd be re- it's really interesting to look at his profile right here. Like he's almost, almost like he's being too patient at the plate, mm-hmm. which is, he's always been a patient hitter is always like, he's been great at taking walks. He's got a 33% walk or a 20, 21% walk rate, a 33% strikeout rate. Um, so the walks are still there, which they've been forever, but, um, yeah, he's you know Babbitt at four twenty nine, but he's hitting two forty two. That is wild. So yeah, the ground ball rate. Well, the Babbitt because of the ground ball rate, of course, most likely. But yeah, very interesting there. Very very interesting with um with uh, Gallo. But yeah, I wouldn't give up. You you drafted him for this exact situation. All right, the last question we have here. Aaron R at a Greeky asks, 
how concerned are you about Eugenio Suarez's cold start? I know on the last episode I did with Chris Clay, we had a question about for a deep believe on Friday or Saturday. So it was kind of nice to see. But how concerned are you with Eugenio Suarez? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm concerned um, for sure as somebody who has him in a couple spots. Um, you know, again, we're 90 plate appearances into the season, but contact rate is 11% lower than any other season, you know, so, and that's a continued decline in his contact rate. He's still been patient at the plate, which is nice. I mean, the good thing about him, right, is he's, um, you know, he's still got 13 runs and seven RBI and three home runs despite the early struggles. So there really are bad at batting average related. He's still walking. He's still getting on base, you know, from that perspective. Um, you know, he's not hitting the ball as hard as he usually does. He does have six barrels, though, you know, so 13.6% barrel rate. Um, hard hit rate is down. You know, so things aren't looking good. But I guess the question is, what do you do? You know, what do you do? Can you pick up something on the waiver wire to replace Eugenio Suarez with? Not really, right? I mean, if Eugenio Suarez plays 650 plate appearances and he hits 130 the entire time, I mean, eventually he'll get dropped in the lineup, and so then he becomes less interesting to play, and you have a decision to make then. But now you just got to kind of hang with it because, you know, at this point in the season when your average is 141 or whatever it is, if he goes uh, six for his next eight – all of a sudden he's hitting, you know, a little over 200. You know, if he puts together a week where he hits 400, you know, he's probably hitting 220, you know? And so that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that week or that month where it kind of clicks for him and and he hits really well. And then that, then, you know, you're able to compensate for what you kind of hung on to him. But the good news is what's hurting you right now is the batting average. That's what's hurting you is the batting average. And that is something that hopefully will improve but he's still contributing your, to your team regardless of whether, you know, he is doing so in, in the batting average department. Yeah, my biggest thing with, with uh, Suarez is batting average is always kind of a liability, not to this level, of course. So I, I'd imagine uh, something's going to go better, but he's still barreling the ball up a lot, which is great. The exit velocity has dropped a bit, but his max exit velo is still close to what it's been in recent years. You'd probably want more, but still close. You just look at a lot of his like underlying metrics and – maybe not ideal, but still they show at least some positive regression should be coming, at least from where he's at. Um, what my major concern is, is is he taking the shortstop defense to the field, to the to the plate with him? That's, we've seen that time and time again when these guys try new positions, it just absolutely ruins them at the plate. And I'm really wondering if that's something that's that's factoring into him right now. It's like, I wouldn't be shocked if they moved to the third base and all of a sudden he's hitting 250 again and he's just jacking home runs because – it's weird, and, and you know, listening to like some Reds people, they're already moving India around. They're moving Sinzel around the infield now. This could be I, – I think they're going to give it a little bit longer, but I wouldn't be shocked if it switches up because he's been really bad at short, like really bad. So that's something I'm, I think also could be factoring into this. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I don't know if the Reds got the memo, but – Eugenio Suarez has gotten shortstop eligibility in most fantasy. Yeah, he can right? go back now. We can move him to shortstop, to third base, to middle infielder, and to corner infielder. All right, Reds? It's time to move him back. All right? We've gotten what we've needed, and now you need to do the best thing for Eugenio. 
<laughs> for Eugenio and for the rest of us. So yes, yeah, I mean, back, the thing with them, I mean, I guess India's actually playing pretty well. I, yeah. I, I heard it somewhere that he wasn't playing that well, but he's actually been pretty I good. I was surprised when I heard that. I think I heard it the same. So you did it. I was like, I've rostered him in a few teams, and I have never thought about moving him because he's playing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's been pretty good. I mean, the thing is, you know, this is going to be this is going to be my hot take. I actually think Kyle Farmer is pretty good. Um, Kyle Farmer on the Reds, I actually think is pretty good. Uh, if you look at Kyle Farmer, let's take a look, look at Kyle Farmer. I, you know, I shouldn't, um, Kyle Farmer. All right. We're going to do a little, we're going to do a little over under here. All right. League average O swing is a little over 30%. Kyle Farmer over or under. League average O swing is thirty percent. I'll say under. Under twenty eight point two percent. In zone contact rate. League average is around eighty four, eighty five percent. Over or under. I have a feeling you want me to say over. I want to say under, but not by much. Over. Oh, so you I see this. Con- is why the average contact rate is right around seventy six, seventy seven percent. What over under for contact rate? I'll go over if he's the other one's over. So I okay. over seventy seven percent. You're contact. right. He's over. So. Good play discipline, not great contact. Uh, Lee, I don't know what league average BABIP is this year, but league average BABIP is probably like 290. Over, under on BABIP. Oh, he's got to be over. He's under, 143. Oh, so he's underachieving is what you're saying. Underachieving. Okay. Walk rate. Uh, we'll, we'll stop playing this game. Uh, <laughs> walk rate, 9.5%. K rate, 16.7%. Hard hit rate, 31%, not very good. Let's check the quality of contact metrics. Max Exavilo, not that great. He's not, yeah, he's not a major power source, but maybe he's a good average on base guy. Who knows? Yeah, barrels 11 in, in uh, 276 uh, events in his career, so 4%. The good news is you don't need to have a barrel. You don't need to barrel it in, 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 in Cincinnati to get a home run. Uh, but, yeah, his average is 139, but his expected BA is 259. Expected slug is 420. Slug is 250. Expected WOBA is 337. WOBA is 243. Again, as Jeff Zimmerman pointed out, these are not predictive metrics, but it does show you that the skills that he should have been showing throughout this year have been pretty good. And so I think he's actually decent, and he's been playing a decent chunk of, of time. And so I actually think he can be, uh, you know, a good number eight hitter you know, for them um, and play shortstop and Eugenio can move, move over to third. And also um, Moustakis is coming back soon. Yeah. And that, that's what, that's why back. farmer's playing right now. Farmer's yeah. playing because Moustakis is out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when it gets yeah. interesting. But yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the India thing. Cause I heard that, I think on the same show, you're probably think you heard it on. And I'm like, he's not been bad. Like, what am I missing here? Because yeah, he's a, 254, which is like better than league average, you know? Yeah. 127 ISO, 91 WRC plus, a little below average, but 10% barrel rate, you know, one runs, 14 yeah. RBI. Yeah. He gets on, he drives in runs. Like I, I got no problem with the kid batting towards the bottom of the order. Like you can't expect a whole lot from a kid, a guy batting sixth, seventh or eighth in a national league lineup, especially batting eighth with the pitcher on deck. Like what are they going to throw to him? So, I, I got no problem with what India's been doing. Their, their alternatives to replacing him aren't very strong, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. that's 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 why he's there in the first place. But we'll see where it goes. We'll see what uh, week five brings us because uh, the Giants just won a 12 nothing game, De Sclafani, with a shutout. Uh, that's like the sixth or seventh Giants shutout this year, which is pretty darn impressive. But, um, yeah, 
any closing thoughts as we are in week five of the season? uh, Yes. Lucas Sims just pitched the sixth inning against the Dodgers. High leverage spot, right? High leverage spot. That's what we're telling ourselves. I mean, he struck out all three. Hey, Um, ratios, strikeouts, maybe picks up a a three to one. Hard of the lineup. Will Smith, Luke Rayleigh, and Gavin Lux. Power hitters. All power hitters. Oh, thank God. I'm totally reassured. My $126 bid for that one inning and that three strikeouts. I think I have him on the same team as Austin Gomber, though. So So he's helping out the ratios right there. This Bingo. could be. Let's see. Let's see. This is the moment of truth as we close out this show. What if he goes? What if he goes? Really cares it? about it, but let's hope. Please say main one, main one, main one. Nope. In my super. So I guess that's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, yeah I am doing well in my like standalone events. So hey, whatever, whatever gets the whatever gets the crowns. That's all that matters. Ch- flags fly forever, as they say. Thank but uh, another fun week in the, coming up here. Lots going on. Uh, I'm looking forward to Fab again next week. It's like every week I feel like it, it's slowing down, yet there's still big bids going out there. So eventually there's going to be like no money to spend, and there's going to be a Fabapalooza. It's going to be electric to see. <laughs> well, Toby will have all the money. Toby will have all the money because he's been the curmudgeon. Yeah, says over there. I'm spending $77 on Brian Garcia and 126 on Lucas Sims to get me the big zero saves. Hey, it's only one game. I bet you by his season's end, Luke Sims has at least 15 saves. I will I will put a chance on that. I'll take it. I'll take it. I will put a chance on that. So with that all being said, you can check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BD Andrew. We'll be back with you guys next week with another episode of Bubba and the Batflip, but episode 81 in the books. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>